Hola, hola. It's your girl, Erica, from America. Welcome to the Confidence Chronicles podcast. This podcast is all about helping you stand in who you are. Stop giving a fuck what people think about you. Start standing as your fully expressed self. As you are, as is, there is no filter needed. You are fucking awesome, and I am here to remind you. I'm a confidence coach, and I'm a bold stand for confidence, and I cannot wait to dig into today's episode with you. My love, welcome to the podcast. Today we have another incredible, like I can't even use that word because it's, it should be beyond incredible guest, Samantha Gash. She has such an amazing story. So many incredible lessons. We get into a lot. Y'all know I like to go all over the place and she was the same. Yay. Love interviews like this. It's just a deep conversation where we went everywhere. We touched on so many things, but I want you to know about her because there's a lot that we didn't get to cover. And we've said we need to do a part four, part five, part 14 of the podcast. But Samantha Gash is an ultra marathon runner and social impact champion. She's an accomplished lawyer working for the largest international law firm in the world. She traded her high heels for running shoes and went out to change the world through highly collaborative social impact campaigns. With grit, unrelenting focus, and the willingness to create the next best plan in the face of chaos and change, she's created lasting impact. She's raised $1.5 million for charities such as World Vision, Save the Children, and the Australian Red Cross. She's a trailblazer in the endurance world. I love her because she's not a runner. She is an endurance athlete, this woman. She was the first woman and the youngest person at the time to complete the Four Deserts Grand Slam. Listen to this, okay? One of the world's toughest endurance competitions that spans a thousand kilometers across the hottest, coldest, driest, and windiest deserts on earth. That's not all. With over 25,000 kilometers under her feet and years of pushing her mental and physical boundaries, she now uses running as a vehicle for social change through advocacy, peer-to-peer fundraising, and integrating digital campaigns. In March 2020, she launched Sam Gash Podcast. So she's got a podcast now, and we laughed about podcasting and how we just do it in our car. We just make it happen. She's got an incredible podcast. She's a peak-performing podcast that hosts adventurers, innovators, entrepreneurs, athletes, and artists. She's a highly regarded international speaker, and she uses authentic storytelling and dramatic documentary footage to share her journey. She's an inspiring change leader and will guide your team through managing industry disruption and learning to become comfortable in the discomfort in an engaging and memorable way. She is amazing. She did a TED Talk, which is also incredible, and we've put all of her links. There's so much she's done. She's been in reality TV shows. She was on Survivor. She's got uh, something coming out, which we've linked in the show notes as well with Bear Grylls. There's just so much that this woman has done. She recently became a mama. She's got married to the love of her life that she met on the TV show. She's just such a down-to-earth, really cool. She lives in Melbourne. We're totally going to go have a coffee. I loved her so much. It was that genuine, beautiful soul connection. And without further ado, I know you're going to love, love, love this episode and all the lessons that Samantha's going to share with us now. So excited that you're here, Samantha. Samantha, do they call you Samantha or is it like Sam or Samantha when you're in trouble? (laughs) Someone once said to me, Samantha is too many syllables for someone so short. Oh no, they did not. They did. Uh Uh-uh. And I do always get asked that, are you Sam or Samantha? And I should just go, it's X, but I actually don't have a preference. Like I, I really love Sam and I love Samantha, so... Call me what you want. All right. We'll call it S money. No. <laughs> so, Samantha, I'm so pumped to hear. We have a mutual connection who sent me your 
like life bio and I was just like <gasps> my eyes were popping out of my head I'm like oh my god this woman's amazing and for those of you tuning in if you haven't already googled and stalked her and done all the things I told you to do on Instagram before this podcast please go and do it because you have an incredible story and you have an incredible life story but also a, a mindset that I think if we could just bottle it up and sell it on Amazon it would be great so that more of us could have that mindset that you have. Um, so for anybody who's just tuning in and not, they don't know about you yet, can you just give us a little bit of a super long and in-depth whatever about you and your story? This is the part I'm, I know. I'm really crap at the wrap-up, like the, or the what's the summary of what I do, because it, <sighs> yeah. it has changed a lot. Mm. And I guess when I was a bit younger, I used to see my, my life in a much more narrow lens. And now I'm like, I do this and I do that and I do that. But they all now seem to just come together. Yeah. Um, so I guess byline, like I used to be a lawyer, um, lapse lawyer. That's I think crazy. I'm a big fan of alliteration. So whenever I, I can do it, I, I try. Lapse lawyer, short <laughs> Sam. <laughs> um, sleepy Sam. <laughs> sleepy, I hear you. Sleepy Sam. Um, so yeah, lapse lawyer. And then I kind of pivoted quite like 180-ish to going into more like endurance sports and which is so weird because if you ever asked any of my like teachers from primary school or high school, would you ever have imagined that Sam would like run across a country or do anything <laughs> to do with sports? They'd be like, hell no. <laughs> Maybe they could see me acting on a stage or doing something kind of flamboyant and extravagant and expressing myself in that way. But the idea of my me using my body physically it was kind of ludicrous for so many people because I would say for the first 20 years of my life, like I was rather physically dormant. Um, I didn't like to be in the sporting arena. It was a space that I felt incredibly uncomfortable. I was, if someone threw a ball at me, I would like, I wouldn't even try to catch it because I knew I wouldn't <laughs> catch it. So I'd just be like, like kind of duck away from it. Uh, but I did enter into like endurance sports initially as like a bucket list thing. Like, okay, I'm going to run a marathon because I've never done anything like that before wow. and I need to shake up my life. Um, and then I did it and it's like, it's not even a romantic story. I didn't do well. It was like really fucking hard. And wow. I, like, I really wanted to quit, but I was very lucky that I had a girlfriend who was running with me at the time. And she just like made me toughen up because she looked amazing, which it's never great to see someone look awesome when you're feeling like really <laughs> shit like I feel like I would I you know misery wants a crowd yeah, <laughs> and yeah. um she didn't do that but I kind of needed like I needed the tough girl attitude I think sometimes in different pivots of our life you go from needing the nurturer to someone who just kind of goes like toughen up like show the different version of yourself and in that moment she's just like suck it up We've got 10 k's left to go and I was almost just, I was pulled into that energy. And we all have the capabilities of having different parts of ourselves um, and, and having them shine at different points. And often it's the people that we surround ourselves with that can evoke that emotion out of us, which I always think it's so important to have like um, a circle of network who are really diverse. Yeah. And it's something that I've been cultivating through my life. I, obviously, I like the values to be the same, but I like people who when I'm sad, I reach out because I need like compassion or empathy or and sometimes I need like the tough love and the you know what I call like the armor of toughness and you know sometimes I just want I want different things yeah, in the yeah. relationships that I have in my life and she got me to the finishing line or I got myself but I, she pulled me along emotionally <laughs> and it just transformed the way that I saw who I was I don't think I had really put myself in really uncomfortable situations I it was someone that would typically steer away from being in a lane that I was not familiar with and wow. I think it comes from the fact that I was I was bullied a bit as a kid. Um, you can't see like my height, and even on my Instagram, no one knows how short I am because like yeah. they would, we wouldn't fit into the screen together. Like, <laughs> but like, I'm Your under five. Is so tall. Oh, mate! Like He's we look so re we looked ridiculous at the aisle. I should have been standing on a I box. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> when they say I do now, kiss. So okay, like, jump. And he's like swooping down. Oh, <laughs> but he's it. six three. I'm four. 411.5. You are 411. Oh my 5. gosh. 0.5. Give me the 0.5, girl. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. I've got to be well. specific. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was bullied because I was quite yeah. short and I wasn't good at sport. And I just think sport's a really interesting world where a lot of your social currency is tied up into it, particularly in Australia. 
And uh, so, like, it, it, it transformed. When I finished the marathon, I was like, well, what else am I not doing because I'm scared? And wow, the reality was, like, question. yeah. And I think it's important to ask ourselves that, like, yeah. what don't we do because we create these bizarre reasons? And, and a lot of the times people go, I'm not doing this because of, I don't have enough time or I'm not doing this because I don't have enough money. But I think the more interesting thing is I'm not doing this because I'm, I'm scared I, I won't finish or I'm scared that people will laugh at me or I'm, I'm, I'm scared of, like, how I will feel and I don't know how I will feel. Oh. And, and what I have learned through now experience is like a lot of that is just like fake excuses. <laughs> and the reality of it is like, I mean, I did uh, to jump again, like I did Survivor and I got made to look like an absolute nut job. Really? And I was called the controlling woman. Oh, that it makes me angry. Oh my yeah. gosh. But I gave it to them. This is yeah, the thing. Yeah. Like mm. they definitely manufactured this narrative, although, I mean, I'm sure there's a part of me who is quite <laughs> controlling. Any woman who gets shit done is controlling, yeah. Yeah. you know, but I define myself in one soundbite. They said to me, how did you run across India? And I said, oh, I'm a control freak. And I shouldn't have said that. Like I should, yeah. have, said, I should have said, you know, I, I planned for two years to make this yeah. happen and then I did it. I, you know, when things didn't go to plan, I kept saying what's the next best plan and I kept moving yeah. forward. But I described myself in one of the most negative ways that a woman can describe themselves and they must have been like, Eureka, we've now got her narrative. Oh. And and to bring it into context, like when I said that wasn't great for me, like watching myself on TV being described as this control freak was so freaking embarrassing, but I survived. Mm. And so now what I can say is like going out of your comfort zone, even when it doesn't go to plan and it looks really shit, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Like worst things can happen in the world. And for the most of us, like our worst case scenario is not even that bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so as you are listening, I, my mouth is open. I'm in love with you. I'm like, can we be best friends? Um, I want to lick your face. I love you. I'm like, yes, everything you just said. <laughs> like, and this could go for 55 hours. And as you guys can hear, like, there's so much. There's the running across India. There's, first of all, there's the fact that you're a freaking lawyer and that you, I listened to the podcast with you and Sarah from Seize the Yay. And I was laughing like, oh my God, they, they're homegirls. Oh my God, they were both lawyers. What? Like, and what you guys do now, like how crazy, but the fact that you went from lawyer to, what was it, what was his name, Bundy, Ted something, some, no, it's not the right person, Ted Bundy, that is not the right person, Erica, that the man that you heard that it was like, say yes, like someone that you heard that was like, say yes more. And so you're not from Australia, so I'll, I know. Give, I'll give a little Australian culture for okay. you right now. Yeah. <laughs> there used to be... I mean, he's, he's no longer with us, but he's an actor called Bud Tingle. So for your listeners who might be from Australia, he was on The Castle. He was on a lot of stuff. But when I was in university, I, I did a performing arts and law degree and I was so lucky to be able to do this play where they brought two professional actors into our cast and he was one of them. And one, and he just was one of the, he was very relaxed and you never would think that he was this professional actor with status and like success. He just was one of the team. But we were lucky that he once kind of talked to us and said, ask me whatever you want. And I, one of the people on the crew said like, what's been like your method to choosing what to do? And he said, there's never a choice. I, well, there is a choice, but the answer is always yes. Like I always say yes to everything that comes my way. And I don't 100% agree with that. But in my middle of my 20s, when I had said no so much based on fear, I was like, I'm going to enter a phase of my life where I just start to say yes. I want to see what that looks like. Um, And often I think in order to change our default settings, we almost have to go to the extreme. Mm. And so, you know, there wasn't like, I'll sometimes say yes, because I knew that my default setting would be, I'll still say no a lot of the times. So I said yes to everything. I did like the wildest stuff. Like I went out into the middle of the Australian desert and I did like circus arts. I I went backpacking in the US. Um, Did someone ask you to do these things? Like, do you want to come do this? Kind of yes and kind of no. So yes, People ask, but because you've got the mindset of yes, people might drop an idea and you push it a little Uh, further in terms of your curiosity of the conversation is different, that they 
will they'll ask you because you've invited that opportunity. You like create it, they co-create something. Oh, they've created it, but you kind of like edge your way into it. <laughs> I'm doing that. I'm coming. I'm like, oh, that sounds so interesting. Tell me more. Yeah. Oh, I've got these skill sets. Have you thought about this? You know, but that's the thing. It's this is like this bumbling up of opportunities of you know you create, they create. Um, and you just do things that you never would have done before. And so like really for the middle of my twenties, I just explored the world, explored myself. And I, and, but now I'm in my thirties and I'm a mum. the more powerful question that I have to say is when I say yes to say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. Mm. And so I am learning now once again to say no. And so it's, it, I think in different phases in our life, we need to, we need to be strong in different areas. Yeah. Like and it'll now, serve you. Yeah. yeah, and I also think after like a decade of saying yes to a lot of stuff, there's a lot of abundance that's created yep. from that. Mm. And so like you can't be spread in every direction if you're going to be, you know, as you know, you're a mama too. Like we want to be present to our, our children's life, but we still want to have careers of purpose and passion and mm. it's, it's such a fine balance. I, I firstly need to say to your audience, like do not feel that I've got this worked out. <laughs> Just because I'm like giving like ideas and thought processes, I fuck it up all sure. the time. Yeah. But that's what I love too. Like that's what I love about you when I heard uh, like – I don't even know I've heard all of your story because how could you tell all of your story in mini podcasts and your TED talk? Like it's not all of you, but you know, the, the times where you can share deeply, what I always hear from your work and from your Instagram and just from you, what I hear is like, I'm going to fucking go for this shit. doesn't mean I'm going to be great. I might suck ass publicly, you know, most of the time. And, and to my listeners, y'all know I talk about this and I, I was listening to you just recently, the podcast that you did with, um, Rich Roll. Yeah. And, but it was just crazy because I was like, I was looking at how I look at confidence as a practice and you are like the, the, so to those of you listening, you know, my five C's, like Samantha is the five C's in action. Like you are the, the framework that I, whatever, I didn't, it's not some amazing thing. I just try to figure out how do we tell women how to be confident? Like it's like a yoga or meditation or running and like you live it, like you really live it. And most of it is you being fucking scared, not knowing what the hell you're doing. Fuck it up, get back up, fuck it up, get back up. Like how can I get back up faster and not give a shit and then go again? And like every, it seems like everything you've done, you've allowed yourself to fall flat on your ass and like learn, take the L, which is a lesson, right? Not the loss, and then rejig it and go again. Yeah, I think that that's well. Thank you. I still think I am driven a bit by fear. Like uh, I don't think that gets removed, and maybe that's not mm. a bad thing. Yeah, uh, it's being aware of you know, your skill sets, it's being aware of where ego plays a role. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I'm really scared of heights and I keep doing these adventure races um, where I have to confront my fear of heights uh-huh. and I, I do training and I do whatever I can and I try and upskill. But then when it really matters, I fuck it up every single time. <laughs> so I, I was I recently, yeah, like, and I recently did a race. It's going to air as a 10-part series on Amazon Prime um, in, on August 14th wow. with Bear Grylls. I can't say much because I signed an okay. NDA, but there was a massive climb that I had to do. And I had been like building it up going, oh, I'm scared of heights, I'm scared of heights. And we got to it at what I thought was the worst time of day. The weather wasn't great. It was pitch black. And I was like, okay, use all your skills. Use use your legs, not your upper body. And then I get there and I'm so paralyzed by fear that I basically like just hugged the wall, smacked the wall and just like cried for four hours straight. Wow. And so what I will say is even though I go out of my comfort zone a lot now, it doesn't always look pretty, but I can still do it. And I am getting more confidence in areas where I have a lot of fear. But the main thing for me is that I just know that I'll survive. Mm. Like I I still want to do things. And I think sometimes the big picture of things is they have elements of stuff that you like in it, some stuff that you're really fearful of and some stuff that you're really good at. And sometimes you have to experience all gamuts of them to kind of complete a certain project or to do certain things. And I, I kind of like the spectrum of human emotion. Like I don't want to coast in the things that I feel confident and, and comfortable with all the time. Mm. You know, I, I really believe that human beings evolve when we extend ourselves. And as you said, like failure is such a such a subjective and a perceived thing on our own merits. Mm. But even though I, you know, if I think back to that experience that I did in Fiji where I was a a hot mess, as you said before, (laughs) going up that climb, 
other people might look at it going, you freaking badass. Even though you were so fearful, you still did it. Um, And in my head, as I was doing it, I kept thinking, I'm letting down my team. I'm taking so much longer. They're cold. It's, It's amazing what goes through your own head when it's not working out. And, you know, all I can say is you just got to keep moving forward through it. I think that's the part about you that when people listen to your stuff or when, you know, even your TED Talk, which, first of all, I don't know how the hell you did all, you said all that in 14 minutes and 25 seconds, because I have to be honest, and my audience knows, like, I'm like, I have shit stains in my undies thinking about a TED Talk. I want to do it so bad. It's like your run across India. I'm like, I want to do this TED Talk. Can I swear? It's going to be amazing. I go to the website and I'm like, oh, oh my God, oh my God, 14 minutes, 18 minutes. What the fuck am I going to say? And then I listen to you and your pace. And I, were you nervous? I was like, you, that was a massive goal for me. Like, I always, and I'm a speaker, but I was like, I want to do a TED Talk. And then I got asked to do it. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm so happy I've been asked of holy moly mother of Mm. earthly goodness, how can I do this? I've recently been analysing a bit of my default settings in terms of my styles of communication and I've been looking at, like, my biases. And, I mean, we've all been asked right now to think about who we are and, 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 and who we want to be in the world and how can we be better. How can we um, play a role in creating more opportunity, allowing greater representation across the board? Mm. Where can I be quiet to let other people shine? Like a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. And um, one thing I have noticed is I speak really, really quickly. And I was like, why do I speak so quickly? And I realized I do it because I, I sometimes don't know when I'm going to be asked to be told when to stop. And I'm... I'm quite small in stature, as I said, and it takes, sometimes I have to re-emphasize myself so many times for someone to listen to me. Mm. And I, it, I've sent it through practice and part of it now is probably just what's in my head. Oh, I need to speak quickly, but I've been working, not obviously in this podcast, to try and slow down. <laughs> and, and the TED Talk was a challenge for me because I have a lot to say. Yeah. But I sometimes know when you say too much, it, it, the information doesn't get effectively heard by your listener Mm. but there's an arc and there's a story and I'm not one dimensional and I wanted to show fear I wanted to show strength I wanted to show skill sets that people can take in and I can tell you it was a massive process to get that Mm. TED talk to the place that it was and I remember before I got up on stage I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like shaking like I was visibly shaking and I wasn't wearing a bra also and I just (laughs) (laughs) and now everyone's gonna be watching your shit while I'm wearing a bra I know I know and I I I did actually rub myself just for everyone on stage going oh my god don't don't with fear freeze up and like give headlights Most viewed TED Talk. <laughs> most viewed. Everyone good to it now. Um, but it, it was a it's a process. But anything that's worthwhile, like I do believe, yes. struggles a part of it. Mm. And I, and I love what you say about like I love what you say about suffering. Obviously, as a, as a coach, like I I love like the mind. Like I'm obsessed. Like I know I do confidence, but really I feel like I do the thoughts that we think and how we believe them and how we don't inquire and we just make the thought in action. You know, like we walk around as the thought, we wear the thought costume, zip it up, and we're like, oh, this is me, I'm this thing. And like when you talk about suffering, when you talk about, um, you said in one of the podcasts I listened to, like everything, you had this thing that was like, and I have felt that recently, like through COVID and my business and shifting into something else, like how how you shit yourself, even though you think you've changed so much and you've done so many things and it's so different and you've shifted and you're like, I've, I'm sorted now or whatever. Like I've overcome India. I've done this thing. And then you're shitting yourself for the next thing. And it's like, what's that feeling? You know, like, and you've had that feeling so many times. How can you, I guess, talk to that feeling or explain it to anybody listening? Like how you complete something and you tick it off and you're like, ah, I've got it. And then it comes back again in another thing. So, you know, your desire to do a TED talk is, would you say like, it's because you want to share your passion and you're passionate about communicating your ideas? Uh, Yes. I'm passionate about story and like all how, what story can do to humans. Then if let's extrapolate on the idea of passion, like when you think of passion, what are you thinking? Shit stains in my undies. <laughs> I'm prepared for this question. I listened to you talk about it. But no, but tell me, I love what you say about it because it's true and it's not a normal way we think. Passion is like, oh, yum, I love it. I'm so excited. 
When I wake up in the morning, I look at myself and I go, I love myself sick. <laughs> well, and, and it's true. Like, obviously, for you to enter into a space that you say you're passionate about, it, it comes from excitement. It comes yeah. from you, a true belief. And, and you think this is your legacy or your destiny or I'm not meant to be anywhere else. Yeah. And when we think of that euphoria of it, I think we forget sometimes that, like, to really live in your passion means that it's not going to always work out. And we forget that. And so, like, all of a sudden you think you're meant to love every single day of this and then when it gets a bump in the road or it gets hard, which let me just tell you, of course it's going to get hard, anything of a long duration. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be always smooth sailing. And so, you know, I I share in, like, a lot of my keynotes that the Latin root of the word passion is pati, so P-A-T-I, and that means to suffer. And I just think a lot of humans these days, and maybe with social media and like the influencer world, we neglect this reality that to live in what we are passionate about, which means it's about endurance for the long run. It's not just spontaneous and in the moment, we're going to ride the ups and downs. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be hurdles and challenges. And if you are truly passionate, you're willing to ride through that. You're not just going to quit when it gets super hard because then you've got to ask yourself, were you really passionate about that thing. Exactly. And I think right now with what's going on around the world, like with Yemen, with Black Lives Matters, with what's going on in Australia, with all of that, like I always talk a lot about child sex trafficking. And I hate to say I'm passionate about that because I'm not passionate about that, but about the horridness about it and how important it is that we look at it. And it's horrible to look at. So we don't want to look at it. We don't want to talk about it. We want to stay comfortable. And it's crazy because I really believe that you're onto something that so many of us don't think about. It's like an, it's like a, cause you're a thought leader, right? It's like an idea that you're like, shit, when I heard you say that about passion and suffering, it's like, how are you really? Like, how are people in a crisis? That's how people are when they're in a crisis or when they, when shit hits the fan or when you're in India and all of the things were going on for you. And I would listen to the part about you like getting spit at and being in a terrible part of India. And for those of you that don't know, please, like, I can't wait for you to listen to. I'm going to tag everything in the show notes, you know, because like she's done so much and I really want you to listen because really inspiring. But like you had a choice to just go. You said in the thing, like I could have just given up or said, what's the next plan? And because obviously your passion and what was driving you is bigger than you, it's out of your ego. It's beyond just ticking a box saying I was the first woman that did that. It's like it went deeper because you wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't bigger and deeper and greater than yourself. So like this, this suffering and this passion thing. And and I talk about that with confidence. Like the book is called confidence feels like shit. It's like, you want to be confident because it looks so amazing on Instagram. Do you know that I am like peas dripping down my leg while I'm interviewing you kind of thing? Like, Oh my God, it was so great. But like no one sees how you felt before the Ted stage. Like, it's the same thing where, like, we're not one-dimensional humans. Yeah. And I also think our goals shouldn't be one-dimensional. Um, I think what makes goals that we pursue to the very, very end meaningful is when there is, like, many points of access to it. So I'm not going to lie. There's obviously an ego at play. Like, you, I couldn't do half the stuff that I do if I didn't have a degree of ego. Mm. Um, but that's the ego to get shit done, the ego to progress forward, the ego to do things better, the ego yeah. to get the best people in my team. Um, the ego to want to learn. So that's in play. But then there's something on like a deeper, deeper, more level where what, what's the purpose behind this? Like what do I want this to be well beyond who I am as a person? Like can there be a community element? Can we see tangible takeaway? Is this sustaining? Mm. And so, you know, I initially just ran for myself and it came from a place that I, I ran because I had very low, so, very low confidence about what my capabilities were in an unknown arena. So if, if you talked about me in an academic space, I knew what that was. Like I knew how to do English papers. I knew how to do exams. Like I made a sport out of being an academic mm. and that's why I got into law. Highly competitive. I knew how to push those boundaries but put me in any other space and I didn't know how to transfer that kind of skill set. Um, and so just what I would say is like when I do the runs, I have a, there's a lot of things at play. That means I'm not going to quit just when things get tough. Um, it's like, I think we all need to have a toolkit, a toolkit mm. of accountability. And like it has many, so for my first toolkit of accountability is I know that it's not meant to look good all the time. So when things don't look good, I'm like, okay, this doesn't feel great right now, but you know, you've told yourself it's not always going to look good. The next thing is I like to war plan things out. 
which means I already identify before I go into a race or running across a country, I write all the different things that could go wrong from dehydration to um, my stomach not working out to the route being affected because, you know, in India, like sometimes I plan to run a certain way and then the day before someone had been murdered in that spot, so we had to change the route or there's a festival happening or there's, you know, um, the monsoon season has created a flood in that area. So we have to be agile. And if I was so fixed on how I was going to look, I, I couldn't cope with that. Um, and, you know, something else I always say is you, you work hard in creating a plan and visualising how something's going to look for the pure sake of just getting to the start line. But the reality is like when we're now in the start line of it, like things will never go to plan. Like there's always outside influences beyond your own personal control. So if you are so fixated on what the plan was, you're not actually going to get to the finishing line. So that's when like having an agile mind and, you know, in my TED talk, I always talk about like keep saying to yourself, okay, well, this didn't look how I wanted. What's the next best plan? What's the next best plan? And like, that's become my new mantra. Like every time I'm doing something, I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't expect it to look like this. I'm an A-type personality. I like to stick to something, but I go, well, what's, what are the circumstances in front of me right now? Um, who's in front of me and what do I need to do? And that's kind of how I, I drive myself forward. It's such a, it feels like such a deep, like I love the saying, trust the process. What is that in you that, that obviously it wasn't a one-time thing, but what is that in you that you feel like maybe has created that det- you know, not saying unattached, but like the detachment to the expectation and the end result. And now you're a mother and we could totally talk about that as motherhood, right? But what is that? Like, how did that come about for you? Do you feel? Well, it's a serious, I think it's the first time I did something when I didn't know what it would look like and it didn't look great, but I survived. That was like a confidence booster that I can play in unfamiliar settings. Mm. And not just maybe cope, but maybe thrive. And the more, all you need to do it is to do it once to realize, oh, I'm bigger than what I thought I was. I can be better than what I thought I was. I can be broader than what I thought I was. The more times you do it, it's just like, I'm going to say, like, I don't like to struggle. Like, I don't always want to like hurt. I don't always want to be like in pain and agony, but like when I have to be in it, I know I can move through it. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite conservative just despite the things that I do, but I'm very chosen that I want to continually expand my horizon of my like possibility. And like talking about motherhood, well, people go to me like, how do you run across a country? I'm like, how do you raise a child? Mm. You talk about like uncertainty, like that is the epitome of what being a mother is. So like the reality is I think like every mother in the world could probably run across a country. You know, I did it for 77 days and it was really hard and I believed in it. But I also have people always saying to me, I could, I could never do a half marathon. And I have two things to say to you. Do you want to do a half marathon? And have you tried to do a half marathon? And every single time people say no to both things. And I'm like, well, mate, like you've got to at least say, you know, you've got to want to do it to give it a crack and you've got to like try it to also see if you're going to get to the finish incredible because you think about it too like you don't ask yourself do I want to do that like what am I actually striving for and is it to please my father or is it to make my teacher happy or is it actually some shit that I want to do and and it's motherhood is a whole nother thing like I need to have you back for that because a whole nother podcast but I but I love like I listened to your story about India and going to India and would you say out of all of the runs that you've done and the experiences that was like the biggest mofo like was that the whole shit like looking back now they're all hard because they're all a reflection of where you are so the first time I ever did I had no point of reference so it was like when I did what's called the four deserts grand slam in 2010 it was four 250 kilometer you know desert ultra marathons the hottest coldest driest windiest deserts on earth and you're carrying everything that you need for those races on your pack on your back. I literally looked like the tortoise <laughs> shuffling across the desert, you know, not attractive running form in the slightest. And, and that time I was like, that's the biggest thing I've ever done. And then when I, you know, ran across South Africa's Freedom Trail, which was, you know, it was a 2,000-kilometre run. It was navigation. It was just me and, and, like, a lady that I had only met once from the UK. She was 51 years of age. We personally kind of clashed, but we each had the same mission, which meant we moved forward. And, you know, we 
I remember there were times that we would like go up fences into like game reserves and we'd be running and there'd be like a wildebeest. And I'm like, oh my God, like we're running and there's a wildebeest, <laughs> a pack of them. Um, if that's what you call a pack of wildebeest. Um, so like all these things like have always seemed like the hardest thing that I've ever done because I always start to go up one additional mm. layer. And when I ran across to India, like I guess conceptually and logistically, it's the biggest, but I had more experiences than I'd ever had before to draw from to be um, more prepared for that. Wow. And that was 77 days? Yeah. So this is a question from Mr. Hamish Kramer, my husband, who used to used to run and is a gym holistic meditation fitness person. Uh, he's like, how was her body after India? How was the recovery? No one talks about after the gold medal. What happened to her mindset? And it's such a good question because that's a massive feat, like just the whole experience of India and what you did uh, mentally, physically, all the lees, spiritually. But how were you after that? I don't want to just like rush an answer. Of course, no. I'm, I'm not. trying to like remember yeah. what that was. So much, I just even speaking to a guy earlier, his name's Mario Rigby and he walked all the way across Africa. And what? it was two years. It took him two years. And so like I asked him a very similar question, like what is it like when you get home? And he's like, it took me a year yeah. to kind of mentally recover from it. And he goes, I was in like the depths of depression. Yeah, wow. And, and then I... I said to him, and I think it's true for myself, like you spend so much time planning the expedition. You, ha- you spend so much t- and, and you prepare for all the challenges and then you live those challenges, but you had thought about them beforehand. You never actually think about how hard it's going to be when you get home. In fact, you kind of think it's going to be this amazing like celebratory moment where people really cared about what you did and you get home and everyone's just been living their lives and you've been living a transformative experience. Mm-hmm. You haven't been thinking about the next day. You've been like really in the moment and you've been in the moment because it's what's required to survive in that. So it's very intense and it's quite on a cellular level, it's very deep. And then you're like, people are just, they're kind of the same, but they also don't care as much and they don't want to hear about it. So there's no space to what you've done. But I think the first time I came back from an expedition, I really felt that quite palpably. But this time when I came back, I was like, I worked my butt off for two years to get to this start line. I lived and breathed every single moment of it. I have no regrets. Like, and I also am happy to be home and into the next chapter of my life. But that has come through experience and it's come from me going, and it's the same as I say it as a mother. You know how sometimes go, I miss people, go, I miss the baby stage or, and I go, if you are living in it every single moment, Mm. you know, whilst you might've liked it, like, you, you didn't miss it. You were there. I feel like I live experiences fully now. Mm. And because of that, I don't have what's, what they call in the running world as post-race blues. Um, I know this is like my way of life. I, and I also know I can create another adventure. And I think people feel depressed after they do these big expeditions because they're like, well, my identity was, it was attached to that. And who I am, who am I now? And I'm a different person than I was when I went out on this. And I think I've just lived what I you know, consider like the four seasons of life that I go like I can have that again if I choose to have that. Um, I'm not someone that feels FOMO. You know, there's always a lot of opportunities, whether you create them or you ask for them, and like they're often going to clash. In fact, they always clash. Mm-hmm. The great opportunities always have to be on the same dates. Yeah. But I'm like I make my choice of what I'm going to do and I want to be there. And, yes, I might have wanted to do that as well, but I want to be here and it was my choice to be it. So when I finish these expeditions, I like really let recovery happen. I pushed my body so hard for 77 days, but the realistic nature was I spent two years prepping that expedition. To pull off something like running across India, well, the way that I choose to do it is I'm like highly obsessive. And this is where I used to maybe describe myself as a control freak. I thought like the obsessive nature was controlling, but I was obsessive because I like I lived and breathed India yeah. uh, and I lived and breathed being present and I lived and breathed every complication of that project. It's amazing. It's what I do to, to do these things, but it's actually quite tiring and mm-hmm. it can be um, sabotaging in other aspects of my life. And so when I get home, I'm conscious that I need to like let the pendulum swing like pretty aggressively in the other direction. Yeah. Like yeah. physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it's it's critical. Mm. But now becoming a mama, it's so different. Like I, I learned to have like my feet in like both camps. Like I, I have moments of single-minded focus, 
But like you sort of said, where I had to like speak to my husband, like I, I have to extract myself because I do feel a responsibility, not just for me living in my passion. You know, I, I have to be, I'm, a, I'm always going to be now be a mother. And that's something that I, I love to be, but it's like something, it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm now a wife as well. And, you know, that's, I have a responsibility to someone else. This is like my new crux of my life of going, how do I, and I've, I've never spoken about this, but how do I be an adventurous mother and wife when the only way that I used to know being an adventurer was like a, like I was in relationships, but obviously like the, the life of the adventurer was the primary like identity of who I was. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm navigating that now. And, you know, when I want to go off and do something, I'm kind of like, oh, but I'm not going to be like when I used to do stuff, I was gone for 77 days. Like I can't be away from my kid for 77 days. Yeah. Or can I? <laughs> you know? Can I put him on my back and oh, extra weight? No. <laughs> mate, like you have no idea. Like when I, when I was pregnant, I was like, I am going to, when Harry is six months old, I'm going to put him mm. in a cart and I'm going to drag him across the Simpson desert. I was six months pregnant. And like at the time I had what's called postular tachycardia syndrome. Like I could run across India, but I couldn't carry a baby. Oh, I was shit. in and out of hospital. I was really unwell. It was just like really like humbling moment in my life going, I'm just dedicating my soul to like raising this child in, inside me. But, of course, my mind's churning going, okay, what's it going to look like afterwards? And then I have, have Harry and we do a road trip across the Nullarbor going to Perth and Harry didn't even like sitting in, sitting in a car mm. with heat outside. And I was like, there's no way I can subject my baby to like living my adventurous pursuit by being stuck (laughs) in like a cart as I drag him across the Simpson desert. So like the goalposts have changed since being a mum. And I don't mind that. It makes, I'm very, uh, far more rigorous in what I do. But when I used to say that I was going to do something, I would always do it. And now I'm finding like, like it has to tick so many more boxes. And then sometimes new boxes come Mm. that I didn't even think were a box that I had to consider. I love that so much though because it's so real. It's not it's not egoic, it's not rigid, it's not the one way. It's not what we see on the gram on social media that it's like this. It's like it, like you said you've said it many times multidimensional. And um yeah, I talk a lot on the podcast about like do I be a a good mom or a successful businesswoman? And I'm like, fuck that question. Like, why can't you do both? And why can't you listen, you know, listen to what you, and like you said, you have to let go of, I'm not making organic green meals. I will pay another mother who would like to make, support another mother's business. Can you make that for my kids? Because I won't do that, but then I'll do something else because I know myself and you know yourself. And so it just sounds like you, this whole experience that you created for yourself, which I think is amazing, has given you just the ability to pick and choose what it is that you want to do and you're not sitting in guilt of any kind. Yeah, I won't go that far. Like I, I feel like the mama guilt is like real in everyone and we try – We like there's a lot of my like – um, rational side that goes it's just such a waste of emotion which M. Isaacs talks yeah, about in her yeah. book but like it's real like you you fundamentally can't change you love and care yeah like yeah right now I'm like oh god my you know like I've made my husband feel unhappy because I'm <laughs> you know he thought he was going to pick me up like you know but the thing is and I you interestingly say like maybe we can have it all and I'm like like I think we've gone through many evolutions of like females. We initially we're very focused on just being the mother, and then we were like, no, we can be the career yeah. women, and now we think we can do both. And I'm now sometimes, and I I live that. Like I, when yeah. Harry was six months, when Harry was six weeks old, I took him on the road all around Australia, all around the US, all around India wow. on speaking engagements. He did over a hundred flights in his first year of life. Shut up. Harry's passport is off the chain. I was like, I can do everything. (laughs) Yeah. And now I'm like, was I just like on like some kind of weird drugs (laughs) that whole time? You know, but you do what you do in the moment and then you Mm -hmm. reflect on it and you go, how can I do this better? You just have better choices now. And Miss Emma Isaac with her amazing home birth made me want to think about, do I have another baby? I'm like, my husband's like, do stop watching Emma Isaac's home births. (laughs) It's just so good because I feel like everything you've went through, like this super seasoned I don't know if you eat meat or not, but if not, a piece of broccoli. You're like a very seasoned piece of steak. Like it's like all the seasonings, all the things that you've been able to take in and create now and and just the clarity and the experience that you have to hand down to your son and to give to the people that follow you and listen to you. Like it's, you have a ridiculous amount of resilience and amazing story to tell. Like there's, I'm so happy that you are doing a podcast and I hope that you 
do a book or something because it's it's just really great. I believe like your story is impactful in its own way and, and the people that get to hear you. And I'm so happy that you're tuning into this. Um, we're popping all of her TED Talks and all of her links below. Um, I just feel like you have this different view that many of us may never get to see, but we can live through you. And there are beautiful lessons that I have learned myself just like hearing you. And I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. And my like greatest advice to people is to just live like, mm. and in whatever way living means to you. And then also going like, we can completely change what we yeah. thought we were going to be doing. And I think like the evolution of like who a person is like, I never thought I'd be a sports person. Like, I, you know, when I was a kid, like I only saw myself as being, you know, in performing arts or maybe as a lawyer. And then I completely pivoted that. And so like with each new experience that you have, you, you can draw from those experiences and the next things that you do. Mm. And so, you know, but we then also have like overdose of opportunity fatigue. Yeah. Which can pull us in many different directions. And that's where we go back to, okay, if I'm saying yes to this, what else am I now saying no to? Yeah. And, but you know yourself too. Like now, you know, what's like, Harry's important. Your husband's important, your health or whatever's important. Like these things are, you kind of get your little unit together and, and then you, I feel like you come together and I, and I love that you said too, like you had great teams around you that you built or that you reached out to. And it's the same, like my husband runs a business. I run a business. No business is more important, but he knows my, my passion that I'm willing to suffer for, but how much? And also like money, is it ego? What do you want? Top charts podcast, why the fuck do you want that for? Like, what's the why? What's the reason? And like the forever dig, I'm fucking digging girl. Like I'm like, why do I, what do I want to do this for? I've already changed the world. I've already helped women. I already am successful. Like, why do we keep going? So it's, it's a beautiful season of seasoning of getting all of the the experiences that you had that you now get to share with your son who is he's a little bit over two you said now yeah and you got and, married oh my god i know got married my beautiful man yeah. and, and you know we mark and i through covid have you know with our work changing a lot and, and works change for everyone around mm. the globe in a different way and it's making us kind of using this i think when you have space where you're not operating so frenetically you can be a bit more creative and you can consider things a little bit differently and go well is this the trajectory and the, and the, and the path and the lifestyle that we we want to kind of pursue mm. and one thing we're saying is sometimes we chase and chase and chase and we're chasing to nothing yeah um i love that That's so i just think, <laughs> well it is and i i'm obviously in like one of those reflective kind of processes right now but I think we all are like yeah work has changed I don't think travel is going to be anything like what it Mm -hmm. used to be I can't see international travel happening for a couple of years down the track and I can't see myself presenting to 500 people in an audience who are having canapes and networking together in close proximity it's not going to happen for a really long time Mm. so again the question goes is this going to break me down or am I going to choose to use this as an opportunity to do something different? And so when all of that shit, like I lost all my work for the entire year, like in like two days, every bit of income that I had on the speaking circuit went. Yeah, every, that's right, because you would have been speaking to Yeah, every expedition that I had prepped for, again, two years that I'd gotten funding for, that I was ready to do, that I've been training to do, gone. I was meant to be running across the US right now. I mean, talk about the most, like, I I mean, there's no way I was meant to be running across the US, Mm. you know? And so there's a lot of reasons why I could have like lulled myself into a a state of like depression. But what I saw is I kept kind of going, well, what have I been using the lack of time as an excuse to not do? You have the best question, sister. This is great. But it's a good thing. Like when, when everything gets taken away yeah. from you, you're at rock bottom. So you've, you, you can't go any further down. Like you've got to then start to find ways of building back up. Mm. And I, I am a realistic optimist, which means I identify the challenge in it, which is where the realism comes. But then I always go, well, what's the, what's the, what's the opportunity? What's the silver lining of that? Yeah. And I do that like always. I'm like, okay, well, that's shit. And like, I think it's good to acknowledge hardship. Otherwise you're kind of being delusional. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but then to go like, okay, well, where do I move from this? And like, I always choose to move up. And so I was like, okay, well, I, forever in a day, there's two things that I've said I ha- don't have enough time for. And one thing is a book. And I even have a book deal, but I've always blamed yes. the lack of time. I've had this, this is a longstanding book deal that's been lasting for like forever and two days. <laughs> but I also have said that I don't have time to do a podcast, but I've wanted to do it. 
And when all of a sudden you have an abundance of time, you kind of go, well, well what do I really want to do? Mm, and the I, values. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't interested at that time to do the book and I was like, I want to do the podcast. And I was so nervous about doing it. Like, I mean, I don't know if you were filled with confidence when you first did, but I've lis- <laughs> I recently listened back to my first episode. And oh, like, God, oh, yes. my- <laughs> it's like, so how do I delete this one? <laughs> and, and I just, and I kind of said, um, I am just going to release this non-perfect thing because if I don't do it, I'm never going to do it. Awesome. And I told my audience and I'm like, Hey, I don't even know if I like this thing, but I'm yeah. going to please give me a bit of space and grace as I try this thing. Um, and let's see what goes from there. So not that I was asking for like permission and apologizing, but I was just stating the fact. I'm like, don't totally. expect this to be perfect and polished. I'm just getting it yeah. out there. And I've learned along the way. And like every single time for the first couple of episodes, I've changed the intro because yep, how, I did that. <laughs> how, how can you know at the beginning what you really stand for or what space you want to create? Like anyone that goes in with something that's so rigid that yeah. doesn't have a, don't, that doesn't think that they can evolve. I just think you're not being true to yourself. That is a life lesson that you just dropped, though. Like, how do you know that you're going to be a, a lawyer? How do you know that you want to go to that college that you got brainwashed that you told you that you should go to? How do you know that, like, that is a life lesson? And I love that you I feel like what you how you do one thing is how you do everything, which is one of my like favorite quotes, because it's true how you show up in one way is how you show up in everything. And similar to I did the same thing. I'm like, I need to get this shit out, you know, and, and we were in like, the worst financial place we'd ever been in our life. Had a second baby, bought a Volkswagen Tiguan. I don't know what we were. We lived in Fern Tree Gully at the time. I don't know what we were thinking. And it was like, I'm not going back to corporate. Fuck this. I'm listening to Gary Vee and I'm going to do this shit. And literally it was like, I'm going to do it in my car. And I still do it in my car. And we talked about the car situation. I'm driving my kids around. Do you do the video in the car? or you like? So I did do video in the car and then I had all the people. But I love when people are wrong about me and they get to be wrong about me every day and I get to be me. So I did do the video in the car and then I was just like, fuck the video. I'm just going to voice memo this thing. And like my, my podcast lady who I now I take it serious when she's like, you're number six in Australia. I'm like, oh fuck. Okay. Oh, okay. We should take this. Okay. Let's talk about this podcast situation because it's actually incredible. And the fact that you can connect with so many people, but I love what you said because I listen to my old ones. I hate when people re, I hate when you guys repost my old ones, by the way, with my ugly artwork that I did myself in Canva. I'm like, oh my gosh, the old podcast. But like your heart was in it and you you were raw and real and said, hey, this is not going to be perfect, but I want to be of service. And if I keep sitting on perfect, this shit's never going to go out. I think we're in a really interesting time where people are quite forgiving of you starting with a high level of imperfection. Yeah. And as long as you learn on the fly. Yeah. So I think people are fascinated and really supportive yeah. of people giving stuff a crack. Yeah. And they love to, it's like they see themselves in you as well. Like, and when we've been chatting along this whole podcast, like secretly I'm sneezing and I'm scratching my nose and I'm farting and all the things. Right. Um, and I was like, who cares? Like, I think it's, I, I really feel like the perfection just d- erodes our connection and that, and the social media and all that and the vulnerability of seeing a human and you sharing your story and how it wasn't perfect and how you fell down and got back up and, you know, how we podcast in our car and just to get the information out. I think people start to trust us because they see themselves in us and they're like, oh, she's like me. Like, she gets oily roots and dry ends just like me and it's like yeah girl like dry shampoo you know like you just like we have so many things in common the old version of inspiration is just bullshit yeah like the idea of someone being so attainable where their life looks perfect and when people thought that was inspiring again we're in an era where people just love like this imperfect hot mess exactly as you described it at the beginning someone who's willing to go like you know, I wake up and like the house looks a mess and I'm trying to get to work and I'm getting my kid ready and I'm sometimes mm-hmm. late for a meeting. And I think COVID's also been this interesting thing because people have been working from home and the professional world is having to be a bit more lenient to their views of what professionalism was <laughs> because now the bosses have got their kids in the background of the Zoom meetings and they're like, oh, my God. Like, is, your kid, is your child in their undies? Like, what? Yeah. what, what? And they're like, oh, this is how women have had to always do it. Like, yes. we have to work. You know, like, sometimes someone goes to me, you send late emails. And I'm like, yeah, because I can't get my kid down to 10 p.m. and this is my mm-hmm. only window to do something on my own. Yep, yep. Oh, and I so I just, it's, it, for me, it's become, the, you know, there's been a lot of shit that's happened with COVID, but also it's been like this 
taking off like that the mask of perfection that we thought we used to have to have and now we're going actually real life is real life it's messy it's uncomfortable it doesn't always look pretty and the majority of us are now having to be forced to work in that world and I'm just saying oh thank goodness it's not just me yeah yeah like I'm in my pajamas right now (laughs) I don't have a bra on so that's (laughs) my boobies are airing out but it's so good it's so good because then you see the humanness like we are human we cannot get it all together like we are a hot mess and it's fantastic and it's so it's so inspiring to 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 see someone who's you know when you look at you like all the accolades and what you've achieved and you read your bio and you're like fuck what a boss bitch look at this is amazing but then to hear like the story about you and how human it is and how what you experienced and motherhood which is a whole nother podcast like oh my goodness that's like I actually felt that motherhood became the the, the point in my life where I became the most relatable because people saw me as someone who like I'm I, I'm very hardworking and I, people perceive that I make the impossible possible. You know what I mean? Like I do feats of endurance that no one would have ever conceived. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's why it's possible for me because I conceived it and I gave it a try. And so when I became a mum and particularly when I got sick whilst I was during pregnancy and then people, everyone was going, are you missing running? And I'm like, mate, like I can't even walk out of my house. Like, am I missing running? No. Like, Like, I'm like, did you realise that a great Dane made it a toy poodle and it's like really hard for the toy poodle to hold this? (laughs) Yeah. And then all of a sudden women were like, oh, like I get this. Like, you know, so many women in the world have a child. So it was this like access point. Mm. Like you've had a kid, I've had a kid and you're still trying to do this stuff and you're not showing it as perfect, yeah. Um, you know, but you're still trying. And yeah. I think that's, that's the point of difference. A lot of people, when it gets hard, when they're going from something that they do know to something that they don't know, when it's really clunky in that middle, that's where people like to give up. And I question and challenge you to not give up in that space, to just try a little harder and to see what it looks like on the other side. And you might not like it, so maybe you don't try it there, but you can try it in another arena later on. Mm. You, you just you challenge so much in such a good way of like what's possible for me when I listen to your story and, and someone like Emma as well who who does those things that you think, air quotes, or you've been told you can't do. You can't take a newborn baby to Los Angeles, Emma. Like to go meet Sir Richard Branson. Yeah, yes, I can. You know, like you can't take your child just 100 speaking gigs around the world, you know. And I will say like when I got to those places and I have my child with me and I'm about to go up on stage and I hand my baby to the AV person going, be back in 55. Um, in a, I will say most of the time I had someone who came and meet, met me, yeah. but every now and again like I didn't and someone had to hold the baby. And it was, I was challenging like what my versions of professionalism is and some people were like oh and then other people were like it's not a big deal yeah and so like I feel like we sometimes have to test the waters yep. to shake up our own things and you know when we got on this podcast you're like okay you can swear and I'm like oh I don't normally swear because I don't think it's appropriate but sometimes yeah. I like to be a bit shocking like we <laughs> like to push the boundaries to see what it feels like yeah sometimes it want to feel what it's like outside of our default settings and maybe we like it maybe we don't but it's good to challenge yourself it is. It's good. And then you, you can connect with people that don't think what you think or believe what you believe and start to understand and see how they work. So you have more compassion for all of the things. Um, I have one more question to ask you. I have like 10. I'm not going to lie. I have 10. But I'm going to ask you this one because the thread that I hear in you when you speak is like a very strong mindset. And I'm just interested to know like what did you see a coach, a therapist, mind training? Did you go to like courses? Like how did you develop like that? I feel like you have a solution-based, like you said, like you're a realist optimist, but like, okay, that's fucked. What else? Hmm. Like that. How did you develop that kind of thinking or mindset? I mean, there's probably a part of it how I grew up, Um, even though like none of, you know, a lot of the stuff where you can really see that display itself is in now my sporting world. Um, But my parents aren't sporty at all. Like my dad had polio, didn't do sport. Mum, like never run a day in her life. But the way I saw their work ethic when I was younger, like they just didn't stop. Mm. They they often tackled things in different spaces. Like mum was a nurse and because she still wanted to be a very present mum during the daytime, she would work the night shift. And so it's like she didn't sleep for 13 wow. years. You know, so I saw that they always found another another way about it. Like they didn't close doors. They tried to find how you could open another door, even if it was looking yucky. 
Mm. Um, and so I grew up going, that's how it's meant to be. But then, you know, I feel like your mindset becomes stronger when you really believe in what you're doing. So I, I will be, be honest and say, like, if you got, I don't like cooking. So if my mindset's not particularly like resilient when you, <laughs> when, when I'm cooking a meal and the meal doesn't go to plan, like <laughs> I remember once when Mark's like, I want you to cook. Like, I want you to learn how to cook. Not because he's like, woman, get in the kitchen, but because he's like, you know, like maybe you should learn a new skill. And so I made this slow cooked dish. I put all this love and effort and time into it. And like, he didn't like it, but he wouldn't say it, but didn't have many bites. And I grabbed the pot and I threw it in the sink and I'm like, fine then. Like, <laughs> and then I've, I've really like not cooked since never then. Never cooking again. <laughs> no, never cooked again. So like there's clearly not resilience in my mindset to cook because I don't give a crap about it. Yeah. But in the, and that's why it's good to know what you care about. Mm. And I think you only know what you care about when you experiment. I know you, you can't know what you care about often in isolation going – abstractly that concept yeah. <laughs> of running or podcasting or gardening or cooking it, it sounds theoretically that it looks really great i'm going to be yeah. passionate yeah. about that idea <laughs> you're not passionate about ideas you're passionate about the reality of living it you know mm. and so once you know what you care about that's where you build your mindset of like your care factor and i do also believe you can't like you can't care deeply about every single thing you know otherwise you just will yeah. never make everything happen um so for me it's like what i care about I do the research, I make myself accountable, I pull good teams together, I make sure I have a good purpose behind it. Like it's multi-layered, I structure it in a way that it like connects with like every part of who I am. And so then when I go into battle in that space and it doesn't work out, like I know why I'm there. Mm. Do you like need like 10 online courses and like master classes? Like learn how you think. I think it's so interesting. Tell us how can we find out more about you and do you have anything that's coming up that we can look for, check out? Yes. Okay. So firstly, I'm most active on, I guess, Instagram and I'm just my name at Samantha Gash. Uh, my website is probably like the portal to find different stuff. So which is samanthagash.com and on that I've got a podcast page you know my podcast is Sam Gash podcast and I guess what I've loved about that and I think you love it too is flipping the coin and creating the space for others yeah and yes obviously the guests that you choose like there's this point of connection but if you've noticed we have not spoken about running I know you know like I'm a runner but we don't speak about running it's so and weird. like people <laughs> yeah. and like to your guests like people aren't defined by the things that they do it's about yeah. what they believe in and their values and like and the experiences that it creates and the people that they connect to and that's why like everyone that you have on your podcast is tied to you in some way even if what they do is completely different to what yeah. you do yeah and so that's why I've been loving the podcast journey because it's allowing me to like just like listen and like absorb and take in. Yeah, it's been a really interesting experience. So that's why like that had some pretty cool guests. Actually, yeah, I'll get you. I, I, I want to like, flip the coin. I want you I to know, come online. Like, I loved your podcast. But isn't it nice to not have like when people ask me, can you send me questions? I'm like, oh, no, we are going to chat. We're just going to go. And it's not like you don't prepare. I've been listening to all your stuff. But I'm like, I just want to like get into your brain and have a coffee with you over Zoom, <laughs> you know? Well, and I, I know how much work idiot yeah, like if you're yeah, like yeah. me like I uh, and I will there's probably people in this podcast who are like am I thinking of a podcast I probably spend 15 hours on an episode yeah yeah uh, and everyone's different some people go in there like really not knowing too much but like I'm a lawyer by trade so yeah, I'm like, like <laughs> I, I'm obsessive so I love to know my stuff but then I love it to go in any direction I love that that's the and best that's, way to be yeah that is life prepared at the nth degree to get to a place that you can just let it rip did you hear that, Harry? Your mama is throwing down the lessons. He's going to be such an amazing child. And then your husband is an mil- ex-military. I'm ex-military too. My kid's probably going to be a gamer or something like that because like, he's going to revolt against the parents and go, oh, what? see ya. <laughs> like, see, I'm going to do my own shit. I'm going to sleep until 1 p.m. in the afternoon. <laughs> Who's running? Not me. Mm-mm, not doing it. So the podcast, which is oh, amazing. Sam Gash podcast. Uh, and what's coming up next is, I guess, that 10-part series on Amazon Prime. But like anyone who's, well, if anyone's ever done anything with TV um, and don't think like I'm a, a TV whore or anything like that, I've just done a couple <laughs> of weird things. Um, you never know how it's going to be edited and you don't even know if you're going to be in it. But you can watch it and go, yeah. holy crap, that's Sam <laughs> climbing up that thing. And like, yeah, she really didn't do a good job. Brian for four hours. <laughs> oh, my gosh. See, that's another thing, TV. Like, that's, you guys, this woman has, you've lived so much in your young years, you do not not look 30 I thought you were like 24 years old I'm 35 oh my gosh 
I'm 37. I just turned. When's your birthday? Your birthday's coming up October? October 14. Feel free to send me flowers, people. I will. I'm going to send you a cup with a middle finger on it. Um, it's my, it's my thing. <laughs> oh, I love you. You're amazing. I feel like I've been talking to a girlfriend, which is so cool because I'm just meeting you now. Thank you for being here. And to everybody, please check the links in the show notes and tag us because we want to share. We would love to know what you thought about this episode. What hit you? We spoke about so many amazing things, but what was your big takeaway? Um, and follow and stalk Miss Samantha in a healthy, lovely way. Go leave her and I reviews on our podcast, please. And thank you once again, my love. You're amazing. Thank you for having me. I love it. My darling, we are in wild times right now. And in order for you to manage your mind and boost your immunity and be level-headed instead of panic, I want to invite you to consider online training, to consider joining a community, a sistership where you are going to be held, where you're going to be supported, where you have a safe space to unravel. And with all this time at home, you can actually better your life and work on yourself. Good news as well. I have now done a 12-month payment plan for the online sisterhood. So many women right now are experiencing trouble with their finances, losing their jobs, being single mothers, not knowing when their next money or paycheck is going to come from. And we are navigating that with our current sisterhood members. We are working with every woman that we can in order to support them in these tough times. And I hear you out there saying, I'd love to join the sisterhood, but I can't afford it. I can't afford six payments. So what I've done is made it a year-long program. It's a year-long program with a year-long payment plan. I really, really want you to consider if this is the time for you to join the sisterhood and work on yourself. It is available to you now. Let's do the damn thing. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate your ears, your time, your energy, and your attention. Please do me a favor and head over to Apple iTunes, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, share this episode with a sister who you know needs to hear it, and if you feel called to, leave me a review. I'd love to know what you think about the podcast. I'd love to know how this information is helping you change your world. Thank you so much for being here. I know that there are many podcasts you could listen to, and I really appreciate you listening to mine. Have a gorgeous week, honey. 